Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistic and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. Oh, so enthused, aren't you? Welcome to the show, folks. Yeah, I know. I know who you are and what you're about. Um, yeah, welcome to the Monday edition uh, of the show. There is uh, not a lot going on, really, compared to the sheer quantity of stuff we've had to talk about in the past episodes, but I think Goofy shit. Uh, Corwin Heller, are you ready to get started? Sure. All right. Do uh, you want to start with the non-baseballish stuff with uh, the what what went down in the Tour de France? Um, might as well, I guess. Yeah. All right. So you want to take us through basically what is a very short but uh, I guess impactful. It's made the rounds. That's for sure. Story. I have to take the lead on something. I don't think Do you so. want to. I'm asking. Absolutely not. All right. Well, basically, the Tour de France began like the, the actual race, not just the event. And some fan looked like he was getting his picture taken or was trying to get the sign he was holding in the way of a camera to dem- Like he was he was holding a sign. He was trying to show it off to somebody or something. It, and to me. To me, it looked like he was desperately trying to get it on camera as they were coming through and just was just trying to get as much attention on it as he could. Yeah, like but his problem... always do with signs like that. Right. But people usually hold them over their head because there's people in front of them or there's like a gate or a rope or something that prevents them from getting too close to, you know, the quote unquote like field of play or whatever. Uh, and that didn't have there was nothing at the Tour de France, um, nothing nothing really preventative anyway. Um, and the sign managed to hit one of the cyclists as he Tour de France right by the guy, um, and unfortunately he uh, he stumbled. And the problem with that is that it was the very beginning of the race, which means that everybody was Tour de Franceing very close to everybody else, and this was one of the first guys, which means when he tumbled there was a whole tour de france behind him trying to go to france <laughs> and he stopped he them cycling. from touring uh and it ended up with a uh very large pile up of angry europeans and has made the rounds as kind of being one of the dumber things to ever happen in sports like Jeffrey Meyer interrupting a playoff game between the Orioles and the Yankees when he took a home run out of the field of play, which kind of ended up giving that game to the Yankees is obviously an instance of a fan interfering with a game, but it like, it's not dumb quote unquote that he, that Jeffrey Meyer did that. It's a overly ambitious participation in the event. Whereas this guy with the sign that's not part of the Tour de France. You uh You don't get to just do that. No. Apparently the Tour de France is actively trying to sue him. Really? Yeah. 
which well, I get. I mean, I bet there's a lot of money on the line with that type of shit because, um, you know, sports betting is a huge part of it. And I would not be surprised if you told me that the Tour de France had to refund or whatever uh, a lot of dollars because, or at least we're not able to make a lot of dollars uh, because of this fucking up the odds. Not to mention all the people involved, I'm sure, had like sponsorship deals or whatever. Felt as though they were getting everyone has a suit. I was gonna, I was gonna win this one for real this time, and you just cost me prize money or something like that. I could easily see them doing this as a way to recover like punitive damages from this random dude of like you caused so like there's so much injury that occurred that it's just like a liability like proactive liability shield of just like if we go after this guy it's saving us from potentially having to pay out significantly more money things like that just they're in a position to do so so i feel like they're gonna do so because of how fucking stupid some guy just standing on the side of the road was right yeah, obviously you also think that this is going to bring about that. some change, but it's kind of wild that that's necessary in the first. Like it, it is weird that there is not more separation between the viewers and the participants. Maybe I'm just used to you know the commonplace American sports where you know like they are ever the people are in stands and there's a a several big significant quite literal physical barriers between you and the players and this one there's just not but it's uh i mean it's 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 interesting i guess it's one of those things where i actually used to watch the tour de france every year when i lived with my parents because we'd always have family that would come visit us roughly around the same time every single year and since the Tour de France lasts for so long, it would always kind of fall around, you know, at some point during their trip, the Tour de France would be on. Um, and they're huge into cycling and they'd always want to watch it. Your parents are? have it on anytime. No, the family that would come visit us. Oh, sorry. I missed it. Um, it's okay. Um, but they'd always have it on. They'd always, you know, keep it on in the background, whatever we were doing. If we were at home, it would be on. Um, so I'd, end up watching it because you know watching someone ride a bike is infinitely more exciting than talking to your family um and the people just kind of stand like right there in the middle of the road just everywhere every time they have it every single stage of the race like people are just there i mean obviously like in the mountains there's not going to be people lined up like that in the same capacity but anytime they go near a village go through a town things like that like it's the high it's the biggest part of their year for that like village yeah and it's like it's i, kinda, I oh, go ahead sorry they do it in like motorsports too like you'll see like rally car races where they go through like the same kind of circuits through you know not race tracks but actual roads or or back um backwoods tracks and like people will just be lined up on the side of the road and it's like all right, with cycling, there's some level of certainty that a guy going 25, 30 miles an hour 
can control himself enough not to careen into you when you're going like 85, 90 miles an hour, that is significantly less, you know, safe, a little, a uh, little crazier. So what is the, um, what's the baseball equivalent of this? People hanging out along the third baseline, the foul lines, just like people setting, sitting in like chairs there. But see, it, it's tough because those people are at direct risk of their own safety because of like a screamer foul ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is such a weird thing because the guy oh, wasn't necessarily like people... putting himself at risk, but he yeah. was, he put the event at risk. So like some it's, I, in that case, I would say it's the equivalent of like a fan um, leaning out into the field of play to catch a foul ball and like, causing a player like running and like knowing where the kind of wall is where the field ends and then all of a sudden someone being like three feet in front of where that's supposed to be and just careening into him and and give himself a concussion or or something like that Hmm. it's weird i'm not sure there's because i i agree it's something it's something like that but the scale on which this also happened is so specific because it's like it's not just you fuck because I'm also trying to think like what an NFL example of this would be because it has to fuck with like the whole game, like mm-hmm. in, in a player sense, not like a score sense. Like it has to fuck with like all hundred and however many NFL players are there. Right. For that or like one event for baseball. It's a singular play for this. It's okay. This is the entire, you know, Peloton being at risk of injury. The entire what uh i th- think it's pronounced peloton it's like the name of the large group of bikes like you'll have like the guys who are out in head like ahead of the pack it's like the large mass of bikes that just stays in the the middle of a race wait is that why peloton is called that the yeah brand? like it's it's not the same word but like close it's peloton Peloton, P-E-L. Yo, wait, that O-C-O-N. makes so much sense because it's spin classes, so it's a it's a group of people. Oh my god, that makes so much fucking sense. I mean, their treadmills kill kids, but still, it makes a lot of sense. Well, they switched over to uh, to you can't use your bike unless you have a subscription now to save the kids. Well, you can't use your treadmill unless you have a subscription, but yeah. Um, However, they think that's going to work. Neato. Uh, I mean, this guy pronounced the same. It's just spelled different. Oh, is it like an accent or some shit like that? Uh, well, it's spelled P E L O T O N instead of an E. It's just an O instead of an E, I guess. I believe so. I believe that's the big difference. I I don't have one of those bikes. I don't have that kind of money. So does this guy like banned from the Tour de France? But it's also tough because it's like if there's no ticketing available for because like if you, this is an event, you can just kind of like wander to the course of. I highly doubt you they can effectively ban somebody. Man, should I go to this the guy top just in link shame? on Google, which is the New York Post? I don't think oh, I will. God. CNN. There we go. I somewhere <laughs> it's just a 
the massive sites that I just would never genuinely want to go get news from was just the entire first page of Google. Yeah, it seems to work out that way often, doesn't it? Three riders have withdrawn from the race um, because of injury. It took 25 kilometers for the Peloton to fully regroup. 25 kilometers. How many yeah, How many know. freedom units is that? Uh, no idea. Oh, fuck. Well, hold on. It follows, it follows the Fibonacci sequence. So I don't know what the next number in the Fibonacci sequence would be for, for 25 kilometers. But I do know uh, that I it follows the Fibonacci follow, sequence. I don't even care. Uh. So it's like, you know, you know, it's it, it uh, in, in approximations like, you know, uh, with two kilometers is, is like one mile and then five kilometers is about three miles and eight kilometers is about five miles. And, and you just go up the Fibonacci 13 kilometers is, a, is about eight miles and then 21 kilometers is about 13 miles it's it's the fibonacci sequence oh so while i was i'm here so let's just keep going so it's 34 so i guess it's a, it's it's probably like 36 37 miles 38 miles no no i went the wrong yeah no definitely longer no, than sorry. a kilometer sorry it, i went the wrong way with it um it's um probably about then like 14 15 miles 15.53 Oh, you, you looked it up? Yeah. Josh's approximation was kind of close? Yeah. Josh has an approximate knowledge of many things. That's right. Check that Fibonacci sequence bullshit, motherfucker. Now you know. Now you know, one, what the Fibonacci sequence is. And number two, now you know how to apply that in your day-to-day -day life. Will you use it in a math class? No. Will you use it when talking distances with Europeans? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, this is a total non sequitur, but that's um, what we're here for today. So go uh, for it. My parents, what happened? I think they just like went out somewhere. Like they went, you know, running errands or they went on a trip somewhere and like they were just gone for like most of the day. And they came back home and they pulled into the driveway and laying in the hammock in our side yard was just one of their friends who lives in Germany who came to visit and was just hanging out, taking a nap in the hammock, completely unannounced and without any sort of notification that he was going to be there. Just Europeans, man. They're crazy. Wild and crazy guys. There was one time, same guy. I was just at home alone on the couch watching TV. Thankfully, you know, not doing anything a teenager would normally do when home alone. And there's just a knock on the back door and nobody just shows up at our house. We're not, you know, host people. We don't just have people pop in. And it's just this German dude who just came to the U.S. and was just like, hey, your parents around? And I was like, hey, little boy, so, you are so lucky. I fucking know who you are because this is the creepiest thing that's ever happened in my life. God damn. Yeah, that's really great. Funny. Great guy, though. Great guy. Love the man. Um, I have no good segue, so let's talk about baseball. Sure. Um, actually, here we're, let, let's talk about let's talk about uh, football first because there was one piece of I fluff news for football that we could talk about for approximately thirty seconds, and so the NFL is that? approving um, alternate helmets 
for the 2022 season, which means that teams can officially do throwback uniforms again because they were allowed to for a while. And then the NFL said, no, a well-worn in helmet actually shapes to your head better, which will help prevent concussions and CTE. So we're going to ban alternate helmets because we don't want guys breaking in helmets all the time because it could lead to more CTE. And I guess that either helmet helmet technology has improved leaps and bounds or um, that was hot nonsense. And the NFL was like, you know what sounds better than CTE prevention money, money sounds better. And they wanted to start selling throwback jerseys again that were worn on the field. So whatever the reason is, we're getting throwback uniforms back in the NFL. Uh, Corwin, are you excited? Actually, yeah, I am. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of like genuinely fun uh, uniform changes and throwbacks, like the old red Atlanta helmets or, you know, the talked about uh, white and black Bengals helmets for their alternates. Uh, the only one I'm scared shitless of is the Steelers yellow throwbacks from back when the bumblebee, no, not the bumblebee. The bumblebees were cool. I genuinely liked the bumblebees, but they used to have alternates with a inverse color helmet where it was solid gold with a black stripe instead of the other way around. And boy, it was fucking ugly. Yeah, that sounds fucking ugly you should just quick google it's not uh like it's not the worst thing in the world but my goodness it's it is ugly it's not the worst thing but it's pretty close yeah yeah um i am like knee deep in a in a google at the moment so i'll have to do that at another time but i believe you um i also don't like the way knee deep in the google sounded um but that's how that came out so (laughs) here we are um, yeah, it'll be fun. I don't care for the Jets's New York Titans throwback jerseys. I just, it's not that I think that they're bad. I just don't give a you shit. say as an owner of a New York Jets tight or New York Titans throwback jersey? I do. And I like it as a novelty for myself. I don't care for it as a throwback jersey, considering what the uh, Jets other throwback jerseys are that you they like could it as wear. A friend, but you're not ready to commit. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just because I'd rather see more of like the 80s Kelly Greens. Oh, my God. Wow, that's so – I have to stop looking at that helmet. Wow, that's so bad. <laughs> oh, I, I am, I'm upset you sent me that. I'm genuinely upset that I had to look at that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're welcome. When I really just hated myself while playing Madden, I would set the Steelers as the Bumblebee jerseys and – uh, the yellow helmets, which ended up just being my standard jerseys for Madden playthroughs. Dude, that's so bad. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really bad. There's a reason uh, no Steelers fan like really talks about those as something they're excited to come back. Uh, yeah, I, I see why. Those should be burned with fire. Um, um, plastic is not safe when uh, burned, so we just throw it away. Oh, like please, the like the government cares. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like the Giants have some really fun ones. Um, the Packers, I think, is there's just a little bit played out. Who really gives a shit? Um, 
but it'll be, you know, the Eagles have some good ones. They'll, they'll be, it'll be fun to have some more colors, some, some more like seventies bright colors back in the NFL for the next season. Um, and speaking of jerseys, there's a better segue. Um, the MLB released their all-star game jerseys and you might be listening to that and have one of two reactions. And one is, um, Oh yeah. I love this part of the year. They have all-star jerseys every year. And your other reaction might be since when do these MLB have all-star jerseys? And the answer is, well, both because every year they do have an all-star Jersey, but they don't wear it on the field. So if you remember seeing all-star jerseys, you're right. They exist. And the players would like wear them around and like to the home run derby, stuff like that. But on the field, they wore their own uniforms. And that is changing this season. This season, the all-star game jerseys are going to be worn on field. And folks, if you have missed this, like somehow Corbin Heller did until just this moment, holy fuck, are they bad. They are very quite not good. Um, yeah, I just saw them for the first time uh, before we started talking about this. And I, I had the same reaction to them as Josh did to um, the Steelers helmets. Yeah, so just as uh, I, I, to describe them as best as I can, they're solid color jerseys. National League, I think, is in white, and the American League, it looks like, are the ones that are in blue. Um, with the team initials, you know, all teams get, like, a three-letter initial that's used in standings and shit like that. You know, the Yankees are NYY. Um, the uh, Phillies are PHI. So those three letters over the uh, – I guess it's actually the left breast going down. And then in the middle of that, between the first and second letter – uh, there's the team's actual logo that's um, I in, in a different color. And then there's inexplicably an American flag patch on one side, one sleeve, the Nike logo up by the clavicle, and then some other logo, which I'm assuming is like a Colorado All-Stars logo, Colorado-themed All-Star logo. I can see enough sleeve. of it to see that that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um and goddamn is it it and oh and it does not button all the way down might i add it has two buttons at the top like a batting practice jersey and that is it in all honesty if you remove the block letters just behind the logo these would be tremendous jerseys a little boring for some sure but at the end of the day you would be like oh that's a very clean simple uh, streamlined jersey with enough accent, you know, enough difference with it compared to normal, you know, wild over the top jerseys that it works, you know, it's something nice, but it's like the most ridiculous, edgy, just it's corporate. Terrible. It feels it's, very corporate. It's like the kind of design you see in like the bottom bargain bin, like graphic design knockoffs that you would never go out of your way to purchase it just kind of people just have them and it's it's so ugly like it's not ugly in the sense of like oh they tried something i could see people that would like this and it's just not for me like it just do not see in all honesty, it looks like they built this in Google Drive, like a Google Sheets document, and then 
uploaded it or you know sent it to the printers who uses uh, Microsoft Word, and all of the pictures just realigned. And just they happen to overlap on one side, and they thought that's what it was supposed to look like. It's so stupid. Yeah. What do you think is worse, the these or the um the hats that we talked about a few weeks ago? With oh, the, the hats, area codes and shit. The hats are worse because. I, Interesting. I, the hats are just one of the most outrageous looking things I've ever seen. See, I think for me, these are worse. Because even though the hats were outrageous and busy, I can appreciate that somebody at least took about two seconds to go, what are some things associated with this city? And then took that very surface level thought, slapped some shit on a hat and called it a day. This has none of that. Because what I don't understand, so what is the point of introducing a new jersey? Is I think the question you have to start with. And when Nike is doing, as Nike is doing the City Connect jerseys, that answer is very clear. We want to pick an aspect of the cities that have MLB teams. And if we can, get specific to the teams do that. And find a way to tell some part of that story graphically or design-wise on a uniform to put on the field and then to sell to people. So they connect, connect with it in a certain type of way. Again, Boston had the Boston bombing one. Chicago had the White Sox had theirs tied to hip hop culture. Like there's there's stuff for that. I don't know what the appeal is for this one. And even just in just like a marketing sense, because it's not city based. That's evident. And it's also not Colorado based, because if all the uniforms were like Rockies themed. Yes, that would be super fucking wacky to see a Dodgers uniform, but in like Rockies color and, and with mountains in the background. But you'd also look at it and go, oh, well, I understand what happened here. <laughs> the All-Star game is hosted in Colorado and they said, let's do that for all the jerseys. And that's what happened. And maybe there's a weird Denver Dodgers fan who like wanted that and then you're good. But it's not. It's It looks like... It looks like a it looks like Tommy Hilfiger knockoff brands made a jersey in the nineties. That's what this looks like. I'd agree with that. Yeah, very nineties. Very nineties. Very oddly red, white, and blue in a way that it didn't need to be that way, and doesn't quite like like a a poorly dressed European dad is wearing this uh, in America on the Fourth of July. Like I. I it's a very specific reference, but I, I I I can picture the man who's wearing this. He's also wearing jorts. It it <laughs> is crazy how well, like exactly what I was trying to say with like the you know exactly the kind of person that would wear this, like or, or what I was saying earlier, whatever phrase I use. This is a Fourth of July USA just vomit onto a shirt type oh, yeah. of of. Uh, jersey yeah there's like a weirdly we're trying to be patriotic undertone here and overtone with the american flag why is that there again not even from like an anti-patriotic standpoint which different conversation but sure Mm -hmm. um but generally it's not the fourth of july jerseys 
this game takes place on July 13th. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, yeah, these suck. MLB, go MLB fuck yourselves. Nike, do better. I mean, this is their, like, second year in a row, not counting the COVID season, where they, like, really fucked up a jersey decision. Remember when they had black versus white for the players weekend? And then no one considered the fact that, like, hey, maybe the team that's white, when they're pitching, no one can see the ball. And they had to go, oh, shit, you might be right. We'll let the opposing, let the pitcher on the white team wear their normal hat so that the ball is a little bit more recognizable so it doesn't blend in with their head as they're releasing the ball. But that discovery wasn't made until, like, day two or some shit. Like, MLB, oh, my God, they 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 can't. They can't not ruin a jersey. <laughs> it's, it is crazy. Right? Like, it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit absurd. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. It, it does, it's one of those things where, like, when you're a kid, you're in a, or when you're a kid you think all adults have it all figured out and and they know what's going on and at some point you will too and then you become an adult and you realize no one has any idea what's going on as a fan of baseball you would think oh the people that get paid the most money to run baseball would know how to not fuck up baseball but they don't know they're just trying to figure it out as they go Uh, it's another myth that you learn as you get older is that um wage is commensurate with skill and knowledge (laughs) Because, uh, who boy, is it not? Um, nope. But anyway, again, different conversation for a different time. Yep. Uh, let's take a, a quick hard pivot to one of the articles that? that Corwin sent over that uh, it was actually a rather big news story that I can't believe neither of us didn't think of, neither of us thought of before we started recording. And that is at the Supreme Court, um, the Crunchwrap Supreme Court, came down with a ruling uh, in a case against the NCAA in which they stated that um, essentially you can't prevent players from receiving some compensation, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to remind myself of this suit and ruling while also talking and boy, howdy, is that not fun? Um, and uh, it's considered a rather large blow to the NCAA. And also I realized that I was, because your article had nothing to do with the one that I was thinking of. Um, and it was a completely different article about the NCAA. So we have two things to say about the NCAA. <laughs> and it makes sense as to why I was reading this article while you were talking, going like, when do they talk about the court ruling? Um, because they didn't. <laughs> um, and... It's in- what, what else is interesting about it is that it was a unanimous decision. And usually we hear these types of things fall on split lines as special interests guide some decision-making. And this one is a rare 9-0 decision. And I only mention that because I think it's signifying of future legal battles as well as a shifting tide of opinion as to the way that the um, pay for athletes of all kinds, you know, including college athletes um, is looked at. So yeah, I mean, the essential here is they, the uh, athletes will be able to profit off their name, image and likeness. 
Um, whereas, which is one thing that they were not able to do. That's what I was trying to think of name, image, and likeness. They are allowed to make money off of. So if you wanted to appear in an advertisement as, um, Ezekiel Elliott, the star running back of Corin, where'd he go to college? I have no idea. Ohio state, Ohio state. Now you can actually apparently go do that, which again, makes all the sense in the world. Um, so what do you think? Um, I love Slash, it, did you see this? I did see this, yes. Okay. Um, reading into it more now is, you know, just trying to catch up on the, like, subsequent actions, actions from it. Um, so the Division One board of directors um, have kind of come out and said that they're uh, likely to grant relief from current regulations that would allow athletes to not be penalized for profiting from their name, image, and likeness in states that have these NIL regulations. And small schools can post to their websites written policy governing NIL, prohibiting payments from boosters in exchange for performance or attendance to that school. Basically, the NCAA, because of this, is like, all right, we're not going to outright change the rules just yet, but we're going to relax the ones that are, I guess, easiest to relax that are directly related to this specific hearing in anticipation of uh, further hearings and the class action suits that follow. Because that's what this is going to turn into, a a class action suit by athletes uh, in exchange for money. Yes, each college athlete in the U.S. will receive about $16. That's how that's how this is going to go. But, you know, again, we'll see a 9-0 decision is, is quite the reckoning. It might lead to some more lawsuits about the manner in which the NCAA conducts itself as it pertains to the pay and compensation of college athletes. So, yeah, we'll see. Do you think anything actually is going to happen? I, I do for this. Only because there's a lot of money involved on both sides. A lot of money on the NCAA side and a lot of money, both real in terms of former college athletes that are now professional athletes uh, and potential money, which is college current college athletes that could be getting money or former college athletes that were very good in college. And I don't know, didn't get very far in real sports. I don't know. Um, and to that effect, since there's a lot of money on both sides of this, genuinely a decent chance as compared to other issues where there's not necessarily money on both sides. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Citizen United. Um, but again, different podcast. <laughs> <sighs> the other thing that, that um, Dungon went down is the another NCAA blunder, which is that the NCAA, which I'm getting tired of saying that acronym, uh, declares that New, uh, new North Carolina State, NC State was out of the College World Series because of COVID nineteen violations. Um, now Vanderbilt will be moving into the College World Series finals. So, from uh, a Vandy perspective, which I think most casual, non-affiliated with the team already baseball fans were probably rooting for Vanderbilt because they have two of the most famous, um, or probably the two most famous um, college baseball pitchers on the internet with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, whom we have talked about on this podcast. Uh, but from a competition's standpoint, it's rather 
interesting the way that this actually went about um, because apparently some 13, well, an undisclosed number of players, it says in this article um, from NC State landed on the COVID-19 list. The number I heard was about 13. Um, But regardless, a lot of them landed on the COVID-19 list and they ended up forcing them to forfeit instead of um, finding an alternative solution. So 13 was the total number of people in the NC State travel party that tested positive. Gotcha. 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 Uh, uh, Corwin, what do you, what do you think about this one? Man, it is just such a tough decision because, well, it's a tough situation all around because if you're the NCAA, as much as I hate to side with them, I can understand why you need to follow regulations to a T. And this team has a certified outbreak of players and coaches and, and, you know, team members where if you allow them to continue to play, they're going to put significantly a significant amount of other players and, and team members, things like that at risk of getting sick and you can't do it even though it's essentially, you know, the final four of the baseball world series, just straight up disqualifying the team, having them pack up and get sent home is just horrific, horrifying, just an absolute worst case scenario for, you know, how you would want to logistically kind of run this tournament and have a fair tournament. But how do you avoid it in this scenario? You can't just postpone it and just say, ah, well, wait until everybody's healthy because you can't do that in any other situation or scenario. And the rules are, you know, clearly written at this point. It's a really tough break, and I absolutely hate it for both the fans, the players, and just base the good of baseball in general. But in this case, it's it's kind of hard to avoid. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough to get a, a, a true feel as to what led to this until we know more about it. Because is it is it that they tested positive or is it they broke protocol and the protocol breaking is what puts them on the COVID list or was it genuinely they had a certain number of kids test positive because that's what I haven't actually seen I've been seeing that an undisclosed number of people made it onto the list not that they all tested positive I saw that it was positive tests Uh, I'm going to double check uh, through this. Um, Regardless, it's a situation I think we expected to have happened significantly more times. It came close to happening in the NFL a few times. They did some shenanigans with scheduling to avoid it, kind of, unless you were the Steelers, in which case they told you to go fuck yourself. Um, But it ended up never actually being a true issue in this respect where they had to fully cancel a game and award a win to a different team um so it's kind of astonishing that we made it almost a year and a half before this came up really and unfortunately i agree corwin i mean if this was the regular season maybe they could find a way to make up a game or two yeah absolutely but with with playoffs i mean everything is scheduled out in advance you you really can't push everything back for 
uh, one or two games like this. I mean, it would be, I mean, I, like, could you in a very real sense, like literally? Yes, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, the logistic weighting is there, weighing is there that, that makes that judgment. But I would assume that there are contracts in place that the breaching therein would be horrendous and largely consequential and to the point where for all intents and purposes, it's easier to just dish out an L and move on. So it looks like there was eight positive tests amongst the traveling party. Um, And, but again, like right there with you, it's just, it's fucking brutal all around. But people are shitting on the NCAA. So that's nice to see. Silver lining playbook um <laughs> just watched it, that this week and that wasn't one of the choices on juicing the big screen you're right in case anyone is unaware that was not a joke we have a podcast called juicing the big screen where we talk about movies just fyi throwing that out good. there it's pretty 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 good um yeah so that's the ml that's the that's the ncaa Fucking everybody shit up, losing court cases, disqualifying whole college athletics programs from uh, their uh, playoffs. What's not to love? Um, and it's not like, you know, NC State was like one of these teams that's always in the final four. Like they're not like an Alabama or Clemson. Like they were an unranked team who fought and clawed their way to reach the final four. And then instead of being able to kind of, you know, fight against Goliath, um, they just got sent home. It's just heartbreaking. That's really all there is to it. But hey, maybe there's a chance that these guys from NC State can get paid now. Thanks to the courts. Um, make up for it. Uh, it might, there, there, there might be a dollar value attached to that that sorrow for getting eliminated. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to that depending on your, your socioeconomic background. Oh man. I, I couldn't compete in the college world series. What's that? A hundred thousand dollars. I think I might be uh, okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm trying to think here like, Oh, would I give up more happiness in exchange for money? And then it really comes down to like, shit how much fucking money are we talking like yeah because uh, we're not super wealthy people money can buy us a little bit of happiness and we're also not that happy people so how much do we got to give up what are, what's the exchange rate here yeah i think i'm all aboard choo-choo motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's segue this over it's back to back to the mlb um the first uh ejection has been issued just today yesterday fuck i don't remember this weekend's a blur uh to a pitcher under the new crackdown of sticky stuff situations that is seattle mariner hector santiago got ejected from his game um this is from 3:45 in the afternoon so this must be today um in the fifth inning of a doubleheader against the chicago white Sox, after his glove got inspected he's claiming it's just rosin but the umps took it anyway and then ejected him. And this is uh, ultimately, I doubt it's going to be a big deal um, only because I, there's not a good system in place for the ad hoc 
testing of this, which is, again, one mm-hmm. of the issues we presented last time that came up last time when we talked about this, which, again, has been become every episode um, when Joe Girardi forced Max Scherzer or forced the umps, I guess, to test Max Scherzer or inspect Max Scherzer twice and then asking for a third time on his way out the door, which is what do you what do you do? And that led to this current problem, which is how do you know? Because while ejecting him for a reliever, I guess, isn't the big guest deal. I mean, this is pretty low stakes as far as ejections go. It's the Seattle Mariners. Um, I, I'm sorry. a whole other la- layer to this. It's great. It really is. It's going to make the next history of the Mariners from John Boys. But um, it's it's the like they're, they're not winning the division. Like if this was um, the Rays or the or the White Sox on their, their side of it, it might be more impactful. But it's, it's, it's the Mariners. It's some guy named Hector Santiago. I didn't know who that was. Um, so this could be a good trial run for them. But it's He's saying it's not, and you're asking, like, what? I want to know what the what MLB told the umps. Like, do they just go up to the mitt and go, it is sticky, because that seems like a horrible way to do it. But at the same time, like, are they going to put a mobile laboratory in all MLB parks right next to the fucking humidor for the baseballs? Like, you know, what do you, what do, you do? Mm-hmm. So I I guess this will be a good test case for it and see how fast the turnaround time is on it. I really want it to come back as nothing. So we have to have the conversation. Well, you fucked this team over for 10 days. You suspended this guy for 10 days. You pulled him from the game. Now what? Because if the first one they test is you know, positive. Okay. That's a victory. You know, we stopped the cheating. Baseball is better. We won. Um, but if they fuck up the first one, oof, that's a tough look. If it comes back as nothing, uh, the ump that ejected him should have to give Hector Santiago his game check. Hmm. Okay. I think if I was Santiago, I would rather take cash out of Manfred's wallet. Like he physically has to come into the clubhouse and pay me straight cash, homie, out of his wallet to make up for it. Mm. I don't know. I think... I think if I was a player, I'd rather the ump do it only because you interact with them more on a day-to-day basis and it's a better fuck you specifically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't call my balls, my, my, my strikes strikes. Um, you, you missed that check swing. That was totally a strike. Now you owe me. I don't know how much umps make per game. Uh, $400. Bitch. How much would $400 a game be? Um, let's do some basic arithmetic. 400 times 162 is uh, $65,000. That's actually not very much. Uh, fuck well, you. For, I'd love for, to work six no, months. I, sorry. Sorry. I, I said that poorly. It's not so much for someone who like is an ump for Major League Baseball. I would just, And in a union. Like I would assume that they're getting paid 
let's call it a hundred thousand dollars a year and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if it was more than that um, based off of how much um words uh nfl players. refs make oh refs um okay. i would totally believe that umps make i'm just gonna google it how much do mlb umpire wow okay that was actually really um <laughs> The average big league umpire makes. Do you want to take uh, any other guesses? I'll say a hundred. Uh, you would be incorrect. Uh, according to Bleacher Report, it's two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars on average. On average, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So that's fourteen hundred fifty dollars per game. Uh, yes. AKA more money than most of us make in a week. Uh, NFL more referees. Money that's- good money of us making two weeks uh words uh hold on uh nfl referees make on average 188,322 dollars well grant uh, they are part-timers <laughs> fuck off uh not anymore uh nba oh, refs uh make three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year to wear those shitty uniforms though i gotta pay a little extra uh they're not that shitty yeah, they're, they're better, not great. They're better than the NFL ones. I feel like the NFL ones just really fuck you because you're outside in any type of weather but have to essentially wear the same uniform. Where like NBA, you're just wearing like a tight t-shirt and some slacks. Like right. you're comfy refing an NBA game. That's true. And it looks like you didn't just walk out of Foot Locker. Exactly. Um Fuck, what were we talking about before? Oh, Hector Santiago. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that and do the – we should just have a running segment now, the, the sticky segment. Um, so we'll update you in the next sticky segment about what happens with that and more. Uh, I wanted to take a look as we actually managed to fill about an hour's worth of uh, content here. Um, I wanted to take a look, if I may – uh, at Garrett Cole's spin rate stuff. Uh, he said a start today against the Boston Red Sox. It did not go swimmingly. If you're a Yankees fan, um, I said with absolutely no pain in my heart. Uh, and it's now been, I like seriously, like the second after this, his start ended, I swear to you, the second after it ended, I got an article saying, wonder if Garrett Cole's start stuff is related to his, the, the crackdown on sticky stuff. Um, and I didn't read it because I, I was too ang- angry and had other shit to do with my day. Um, but like be angry elsewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and other things. Why is it hot? Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to do the right thing over everything. But anyway, uh, so I figured it might be at least worth it looking at what his spin rate numbers are over the course of the month of June, just to see. I haven't looked at these yet. I have all the pages pulled up and I wanted to get an actual reaction from it. I actually did earlier. But go ahead. What? I actually saw these earlier. Oh, all right. Well, anyway. Bitch. So as it stands on the season, Garrett Cole's uh, fastball spin rate is 2,518 RPMs. Slider is 2,659. Curveball is 2,814. Changeup is 1,742. And his sinker is 2,441. Do you need to remember these numbers exactly? Absolutely not. Um, that's just a baseline for what the average of his uh, pitches spin rates are for the, for the season thus far. So four seamer, we're just going to round everything off 2,500 slider, 2,650 curve, 2,800 uh, change up 1,750 
sinker, 2450. We're keeping it light, easy, breezy, mixed deluxe. Uh, so let's start with his most now let's start with his first start of June and that would be the game on June 3rd against the Tampa Bay Rays and in that start which was pre-sticky stuff crackdown the crackdown started on the 21st of June just FYI um, and this is really pre-full-fledged conversation about uh, the crackdown happening so this is very much so should be within the realm of Garrett Cole. If he's using anything, he's using something here. And his forcing fastball spin was about 2,500. Uh, knuckle curve was about 2,800. Changeup was about 1,750. Slaughter was about 2,650. And sinker was about 2,450. All very much so in line with his season average. Um, nothing was more than... 80 spins off its standard and 80 rotations per minute when you're talking in the realm of 2,500 rotations per minute is not very many. So I'm willing to call this June 3rd start um, in terms of its deviation from norm, statistically insignificant. Corbin, thoughts from you? Sure. Neato, buddy. All right, so then let's take it to game forward. That would be his next start on June 9th against the Minnesota Twins. Again, we're not in crackdown territory yet. So let's take a look. His four-seam fastball is sitting at 2,500. His um, slider is sitting at 26, yeah, 2,600. Knuckle curve sitting at 2,830. Uh, Changeup at 1,870. Sinker at 2,350. Uh, a little bit up, a little bit down, kind of all over the place from average. Nothing Outside of the changeup, nothing had a bigger change than like 100 RPMs. Uh, the His changeup had more spin by 128 RPMs. Everything else was 20, 30, 20, and then 92 for the sinker. But he only threw one of them. So, I mean, like, who gives a shit about that guy? Uh, and it's like, yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, there's no, no, nothing here for me, really. The changeup spin being up some games are going to be higher some games are going to be lower anything under uh like 300 rpm i don't think is really too impactful um i don't do you have any thoughts here no not yet yeah i don't i don't think so either oh just real quick i guess um actual um pitching line from that game if i can provide it for you uh scoreboard box score what do we think uh i guess box score uh, so in the Tampa Bay game, Garrett Cole, five innings pitched, five hits, five runs, all five of which were earned, two walks, seven strikeouts, and one home run allowed. He threw uh, 92 pitches. So that is that is very much so not a good start. Um, the Twins game that I just ran us through, the most recent statistics I just ran us through, uh, Garrett Cole went six innings, five hits, two runs, both of which were earned, no walks, nine strikeouts, two home runs, 94 total pitches, which feels a little bit more like in line with average. Like that's, that, that's a quality start with a good number of strikeouts. That feels, that feels like a good start. Mm-hmm. All right, so now let's take it into the June 16th game's next start against the Blue Jays. And now is when there's talk about sticky stuff being cracked down upon nothing official again the official stuff began the 21st but there's talk of it now uh and pitchers are starting to experiment with not using sticky stuff so 
Tyler Glassman. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, that's just what we. Oh, right, right. Week, Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I confused him with Ryan Yarborough for a second. Callback yeah. joke, Josh. Not a joke. Just a callback. <laughs> just a that's reference. Um, all right. So Garrett Cole in that game. Spin on his four-seam fastball, 230, uh, sorry, 2,350 RPM, which is down by about 176. Um, 2,500 RPM on a slider, it's down by about 156. Uh, 1,690 RPM on his changeup, that's down about 52. Uh, and then 2,695 RPM on the knuckle curve, it's down about 120. And then uh, sinker, which he only threw three. Uh, 2450, which was up by about six. So, again, down by more, but down by only so much, down by less than 10% of the total RPM of the pitches. So, if it becomes trend, that's not good, but in of itself, I don't think it's anything ridiculous. Ridiculous yet, do you? Not yet. I mean, there's enough variance week to week where it's not going to raise any alarms. And God damn, excuse me. Um, I fully accept that Garrett Cole is using something to some degree. Like, I'll just accept that. And I can totally expect that it's going to take a little bit for these guys to kind of get used to not having that. So I expect, you know, this immediate drop and then for it to kind of, you know, um, oh, what's the fucking term? The R word. Plateau. The, oh, um, um, go, oh, my get God. Back to I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Regress. Uh, regress. Uh, we're so smart. Dude, well, that, that should not have taken that long for us. <laughs> no, it's us. It should always take that long because we've proven time and time again that's exactly what happens. We're the big dumb. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, some level of regression um, in all aspects of the game makes sense. It's also, though, if we take a backwards look on it, Garrett Cole's four-seam fastball in the June 3rd game that I said. That was the first game we did. 24-38. In the June 9th game, 24-96. Both those are down from his season high. Um, or his, sorry, his, uh, his season average. The Twins game on the 9th, 23-42. And then uh, this game against the Royals that I had just read. Fuck, where'd that where'd Garrett Cole go? Unless I didn't get to this one yet? I thought I did. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Um, so, as it, as it stands right now, since the June 3rd game, he's been on a downward trend. Now, that's only three games. So, if we take it back to 528, May 28th, um, his fastball was uh, above his season average at 2529 um, RPMs, per, uh, RPMs per minute. <laughs> Rotations per minute per minute, hey. um, which I guess would just be rotations per second. Um, so it seems to be a gentle downward trend, but it is ramping up, and that will take us into the Royals game. Real quick, the conclusion of this Blue Jays game on 6-16, uh, 
Um, Garrett Cole ended up going eight innings, four hits, two runs, both of which were earned, one walk, uh, and two home runs allowed on 104 pitches. You might be saying that's a great start. It is a very, very good start. Four strikeouts, which is very odd, considering Garrett Cole is a strikeout pitcher. Um, now, clearly, he didn't necessarily need them going eight innings pitched, but still, um, again, when you consider who is doing the innings pitching, uh, a little odd. So let's take that then into his first game post official crackdown, which is 6 2021 uh, in this game against the Kansas City Royals. Garrett Cole in that game had a fastball spin of about 2,290, which is down 230 points from his season average. Slider, 2,450, down 216 points from his season average. Knuckle curve, 2,660, down 150 points from his season average. Change up, 1,650, down 100 points from his season average. And sinker, 2,100, down 326 from his season average. So wow, whereas 300, huh? Magic huh? number. 300, huh? Magic number there. Oh yeah? Why's that? Oh, that's just what Trevor Bauer said. The 300 RPM with substance. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. And it's, it's this start. And we're, I'm, you know, we're not getting into the performance aspect yet, or the ex- results aspect quite yet. Cause the last one, you know, you see it drop, under 200. And again, that's less than 10% of a total RPM. You can write a lot of that off to just noise. Some of this, I mean, it's a season average RPM. You're going to have an RPM above that and below that. That's how averages work. Um, and without any serious drops, you can kind of just write that off as being like a weird day or whatever day or his season average is very high. Maybe he can't do that all the time. This start, however... There's a you know there's there's a couple pitches that if they're not ten percent they're very close and that sinker granted he only threw two so it's not like he threw that a bunch of times he didn't um, but that's that's over a ten percent reduction in the total spin of on his sinker and again even though it's only two to lose over ten percent of your total spin is that i mean that's that's a lot that is is significant even if you didn't throw it very many times it's about 15 percent, by the way um the next closest he came to losing uh 10 points on was his four seam fastball which for garrett cole is a bread and butter pitch where he um he dropped 9.1 percent of his total spin from his season average on that and so now with that level of a drop you go ooh. Like the week before it, you're looking at four and a half percent of a deviation and four and a half percent. I mean, fuck, man, that shit is what it is. It's not a huge deal. Nine, nine. Ooh, ooh, that's not pretty. No, that's um, that's what you would call a crazy fucking uh, batshit. I'm giving up. No, nope. (laughs) It's definitely what you'd call statistically significant. That's what I would. That's what I would call it. And uh, significant indication of the same shit we're seeing all over the rest of MLB, which is, oh shit, now I can't use the sticky stuff that I've been using all season. This is going to take a massive drop. And here we are. And now but, let's look at how Garrett Cole performed in that game. 
Seven innings pitched, three hits, two runs, both of which were earned, three walks, six strikeouts, and only one home run allowed on 108 pitches, which is, once again, a quality start and a rather good one. Granted, um, the strikeouts number, strikeout numbers are still a lot lower than what you would expect from a guy like Garrett Cole, but a six strikeout game isn't like nothing. You know, it's, it's a more normal quantity of strikeouts for a guy. Um, so it's an interesting situation in which the spin is disappearing. And we haven't gotten too much into the weeds of how that affects the vertical and horizontal movement of the pitches, because that would be so many more numbers and we'd be sitting here for so much longer than we currently are. So I'm just using spin as kind of like a catch all for movement, because again, there's so much to do with, mm-hmm. with that you. as you go in farther. Um, but clearly through uh, pitch selection or pitch location, what have you, this still ended up being an effective outing for Garrett Cole. So it lends the question of, is the reduction in spin rate concerning if the poor performance that one may expect from it not necessarily representing itself? Right? Yeah. And I think... That's kind of what you and I had been talking about when we talked about what we would want to see out of a crackdown, because it's not even necessarily that pitchers start to suck ass because Garrett Cole, while, and we'll get to the Boston start today next, it's the next game. So of course we are. Um, But it's not that he went out there and sucked ass, but he's not getting the same boost that he was getting from the, uh, sticky stuff, whatever it was. I really hate saying sticky stuff. It sounds like a like a weird, too long of a word and childish phrase. That's um, why I like saying it. I can't stand it. Can't stand your bits. Um, but, and, you know, while you can judge however you want what is or is not fun in baseball, less strikeouts to somebody may be more fun in my, or a better indication of balls put into play, which may be higher on your fun O meter. Uh, but regardless, the effectiveness of the mind of Garrett Cole and the other parts of execution of Garrett Cole are still present. So I would say, in that instance, fuck your spin rate, seem to be doing fine. Yeah. What would you say? Uh, who is the opponent again? I've already forgotten. The Royals. So not exactly a barn burner of a team. Yeah, it's one of those things where, hey, you're one of the top two arguably best pitchers on the planet. Even with 300 less RPM on your pitches, you should still be able to take care of the Royals. Right. They're not a, their offense is not uh wonderful. No. The Rays, on the other hand... Their offense is Wander, Franco. I, 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 fuck you. So then let's take that into an offense that is performing well. And that is today's start against the Boston Red Sox. How'd that go? Not great. Uh, so, Garrett Cole's spin, however, from last week, previous week, was up average spin. His forcing bat, forcing basketball. Fuck, I'm I'm, I'm going like, to retire from doing this. Turning into me. I couldn't even say fastball. His force forcing basketball. I sound like 
like a like a blood a, his four seam basketball. Um, his four seam fastball was sitting at twenty four fifty RPM, which is the highest it had been since his uh, June 9th game. So I mean, three starts beforehand. Again, we're not talking huge uh, a, a number of starts here, um, but still. 2450, only 76 RPMs below his season average. Uh, his slider is sitting at 2565 RPMs. It's less than 100 fewer than his um, season average. Changeup was sitting at 1738, four, four individual RPMs below his season average. And the knuckle curve was sitting at 72, or sorry, 2770. RPMs, which is a 42 below his season average. So all the numbers are below the season average, but by uh, we're back to it being by like really not a lot mm-hmm. at all. And they're up quite a bit from the start before it. Now, what that means in terms of Garrett Cole, maybe saying, uh, fuck it. I want my spins. I'm going to break the law. Or Garrett Cole going, I got to find a better way to grip the pitches to do what I got to do. Who gives a shit? Really kind of unconsequential to this conversation. Because either way, he got it. He got the spins back in certain quantity. And it might lead you to say, well, hey, how'd he do? It sounds like he probably did pretty all right. Five innings pitched. That's not a good sign. Eight hits, six runs, five earned, two walks, six strikeouts, three home runs allowed, only pitched 89 pitches. But his spin was up. So, who knows anything? In my uneducated mind, it, to me, kind of feels like he saw his RPMs dip drastically, you know, 300 RPMs, essentially. And like we saw with the Tyler Glass now interview, he had to change his grip to kind of make up for that. He needed to kind of do something, grip a little harder, farther back in his hands, you know, closer to the palm, things like that, which caused him to get a little better of a grip. He was able to get those RPMs up, but because he isn't used to those things, because it is a different feeling, because it's not something that he typically would pitch in order to pitch at his highest level, he got batted around. Right. And there's so many factors that go into this performance part of it. And that's exactly what I was going to say too. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, Is that one, we're not going to know a lot of what happens in the game in this type of respect, no matter what, we're not going to know if players are using nothing or if they're using something for the vast majority of players, even with um, checking it because there will be ways to do what you got to do. There always are. That's part of uh, life. I was going to make a political point, but I'm going to leave it to the side. Uh, for some reason, I'm feeling very, um, uh, I don't know, political commentatory today. I have no reason why for that. Okay, Tucker. Oh, I hate you. I hate that mm. so much. Mm. Fuck off. Whiny little bitch. But right, I'll call regardless, you instead. God, oh, at least I'll be dead. That's better. Um, 
fucking kill me. Um, regardless. Yeah, I actually, uh, I heard from a uh, co-worker, not a co-worker, but someone we work with uh, in a different company who uh, did the security for, he's dead, I don't care. Uh, and nobody listens to this. He did the security or consulted on it for Rush Limbaugh's house. Uh, and apparently he would have matching uh, Rolls Royces, one that was all black and all white, that he would just, sometimes he was in different moods and would choose his car justly. Fuck that guy. Really? Not for hey, that. He but, won a, yeah. That is a man who won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Freedom. We should take that back. But all right, we're 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 we're, we're can leaving. We, can we dig up his grave and like pull it off his corpse? All right, we're dude. We're moving on. <laughs> I I want to continue the shit fest, but we have to move on because it's not the right podcast. Um, getting back to Garrett Cole, and I. One of the other points I wanted to make with this is I think there is a. There are two wrong assumptions, that I think are getting bandied about in especially Twitter, but also in general. And that is that the only reason a lot of pitchers are very good or able to get all the movement that they can get, all the spin, all whatever they can get is using foreign substances. And I don't think that's true because if it wasn't possible to do it otherwise, I don't think that just the addition of that tacky substance on your fingers would be able to get it for you. There's supposed to be a human ability to do it. What it does do, however, is it makes that a lot easier. And that's the difference. Because what we saw with this Cole start is I think what we might end up seeing with a lot of other players, which is what Tyler Glass now said and what we're talking about right now, which is he found a way to still get a relatively similar amount of spin on his pitches than he was when he wasn't using foreign substances, but it was at a price. And for Tyler glass. Now that price was his, how the muscles in his arm functioned to the point in which he tore some and for Garrett Cole and for other pitchers, it might not be the exposing of muscles to injury, but it might end up being at a cost of, execution somewhere else within their throwing motion that results in the pitches still not moving the same, even though they might have a lot of the same spin or at least not hitting those spots that they're necessarily expecting them to. Because if you take on my, my standard um, prop ball is missing from my desk, but regardless, if you try to throw something, squeezing the life out of it, which is what pitchers have to do now to maintain that level of spin versus lightly gripping it. It's going to be two different experiences for even you at home, like death gripping something and trying to throw it. No shit is different than is different than not doing that and just throwing it. And I think we're going to see a lot of these mixed results and there's going to be bad starts. People have where they'll have significantly lower spin rates and people are going to go, well, that's why. And I don't think it's going to be as linear as that. I don't think it's going to be as one-to-one as that. And the, really, these last two Garrett Cole starts is that picture. Colossally lower spin rate. Spin rate still had a rather good outing, mm-hmm. uh, his last start. This start, 
spin rates dramatically improved from his previous outing got absolutely fucking demolished. And it's that type of non-linear progression with how pitching is going to be for the season that I think is going to be probably the most interesting on-field storyline that we're going to have because it's something that we will never really know the answer to mm-hmm. because there's too much room for players to get in trouble to share that. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Cause like Garrett Cole wouldn't come out and be like, Oh yeah, today I just like put a little bit of spider tack on my forearm or some shit like that. Like he's not going to do that. If it's, if it, even if it's true, he should, because that'd be really funny, but no, he never would. Uh, well, uh, do you think there's going to be... Do you think we're going to see this league-wide where these guys are having these massive drops or had these massive drops, and then as a whole, they're going to kind of regress a little bit back towards, uh, you know, like halfway almost as they work this shit out. That's the part of it. I really, I don't know because, and this again, goes back to what glass night was saying, which was such an insightful thing. I'm so glad that we have that. Cause it's going to make, I think going forward for the season, a lot easier to discuss because if they did this during spring training, and this was one of glass now's points, then the way that the MLB players did their pitch design and for anyone unfamiliar with the concept of pitch design, it is exactly how it sounds. It is how I want my pitches to be shaped, how I want them to mm. actually move, how I want them to spin appropriately, like all that type of stuff. That's pitch design. Um, they're going to do that under the assumption of I can use spider tack this season. So let's design pitches that involve incorporate the concept and the, you know, at me using this, because I'm going to be and, you know, work out what that will look like with the substances. And if they had that amount of time and they have all the technology still, but you know, like it, it's, it, it takes time to do these repetitions, to work through the, the math on it, to work through the, you know, the, the skeleton imaging that they do to show you how your body moves and all that shit. It takes time to actually work on executing the pitches you designed without using sticky stuff now that MLB players would have spent in the spring training doing, and now they don't have that. Mm -hmm. So it's tough to say what that progress will look like because you might end up getting like Matt Blake of the Yankees calling all the players into um, a pitch design lab and being like, all right, we're going to, leave even the rosin and and sunscreen at home, go bare knuckles on this shit and try to figure out how we're going to, you know, create a pitch that looks or feels a lot like what your pitches used to look and feel like so that you can execute your game the same way ish building around this, um, which I would expect all pitching coaches to have to do at some point. Um, and then the rest of it's going to come down to, can they even do that? And if they can, how long does that take? So I have no fucking clue. It's, 
I don't know. It's going to be really fucking weird to see what happens with this and how much of it people are going to attribute to he didn't use sticky stuff versus maybe he did, but he was really, really good at compensating for not having to use it because he was very good at adapting his pitch design and grip strength to not having it. Like it's, yeah, there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. As there usually would be. I talked for a long time and I'm still not entirely sure I answered your question. Uh, that's okay. Cause even if you did, does it really matter? Even if you did it, fuck it. Words are hard. Yeah. Words are so fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want people to stop saying this guy had a bad outing because his spin rate was down. It's very lazy and it's not real analysis. And I, I think you're bad at your job if um, you do that. Sure. Because you know what? Garrett Cole's allowed to have a bad day every now and again. The thing Garrett Cole needs to fucking do is he needs to stop being a goddamn wimp and let Gary Sanchez catch him. This is ridiculous. I feel like you need a whole episode to break down into uh, that sort of stuff again. Oh, God, it drives me fucking bananas. Bananas. Gary Sanchez could be your sticky stuff, bro. He could, he could be that sweet, sweet relief that gets you your RPMs. You're insane. I love Gary. I know you do. Loved him this whole time. Never stopped. Wore my Sanchez jersey all the time. Real one. one. Yeah. I got that shit in 2017. I was ready. I'm proud of you, buddy. I love Gary Sanchez. Anyway. Actually, I think I got it in 2018. Like, when, during a down season. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, we came into this episode having planned almost nothing to talk about and managed to talk for well over an hour. So, Corwin, uh, do you got anything else before we get out of here? No. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to hit up Corwin on Twitter, you can uh, Corwin on Twitter. You can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show or send the show emails, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday in which Corbin and I will be together at the Yankees versus Angels game Thursday, motherfucker. See y'all there if you're going to be there. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. We'd love to say hi um, as we root for different teams. Um, But uh, until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.